Hello and welcome to the Foodies Reviewing Movies podcast. My name is Callie. Thank you for joining me and uh, for listening. Appreciate it. Also, I'm happy to welcome back James from the 13th floor. James. Hey, hey welcome back. Yes, thanks. you're welcome. Um, I had to have you on for this episode because you mm. are um, with your podcast and just you in general, you like to talk about the things that are a bit out there, a bit bizarre, a bit strange. Uh, you follow yep. the trends, especially this one, which is a bit mm. of a, I wouldn't say controversial, but I'd say maybe slightly terrifying conversation. Yeah, it's definitely a double-edged sword. Yes, we are going to be talking about the advancements in technology, which is leading up to the uh, now conception and progression of artificial intelligence. Mm-hmm. And boy, oh boy, is it scary. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> this was inspired by Apple's recent release of Apple Vision. And mm-hmm. um, some say, you know, movies are a tool of escapism. And while others, they say maybe they're a little bit more of a, a cautionary tale. And I feel like mm-hmm. this can sort of fall into that category as well, sort of just tying Definitely. in our topic. Technology can continues to advance so we would be remiss if we didn't look back at both like the positives and the pitfalls of the course that we're on and I feel like going back to sort of the beginning and talking Mm -hmm. a little bit about where we started to where we are now would be a good thing to do the technological timeline thank you to Britannia because Britannia you did a great job sort of breaking it down so uh, I keep on calling it Britannia it's Britannica good god yes (laughs) so thank Mm. you Britannica (laughs) welcome to my life it's been like this that's Mm. why I took a sabbatical okay so we're looking at 3.3 million years ago was supposedly our first tools, which were that of pretty much like shard flakes from stones that made knives. Pretty much they're saying, you know, like there was also then the larger, like more unshapen stones that eventually were turned into like hammers and anvils. So yeah. uh, James, what's a little bit that you know uh, about these specific tools that our ancestors used? Uh, sure. You know, um, I don't think they actually call it the Bone Age, but, you know, mm-hmm. previous to the Stone Age. But uh, the earliest inventions people had, they would actually take animal bones that were just naturally kind of sharp. Mm-hmm. And they would make knives and spear tips out of them. And they would use the tendons of the animals to uh, mm-hmm. attach, for example, a spear tip to you know, a wooden shaft. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the technology was just made out of bone, tendons and wood for a long time. And then came along flint knapping, which was mm. an art form that's still really hard to do, by the way, even, even by modern standards, where you you basically take a piece of stone, usually a flint, something that cleaves easily, mm-hmm. and you just tap it and tap it and tap it in the right areas until you get something real sharp. And you can make mm-hmm. a, a knife or an axe or an arrowhead or a spearhead out of all those things. And, and even now we find some tribes who have, because they've never progressed beyond that uh, kind of technology, uh, they have all sorts of different spear and arrow tips for different things, including there's a few uh, cannibal tribes that you'll find where they really do have special arrowheads expressly used to hunt long pig, a.k.a. people. Ah. So that's how it got started. But then natural iron deposits being discovered. And, uh, you know, quite often that would just happen from like wildfires where it would literally mm. just burn areas and some of the iron would melt out of the ground and people discovered it and they found that if they uh 
mix that raw iron with, with other things like bronze and tin, they could make different alloys. And then you had the, the Bronze Age as a result. Now, bronze was really great, but further advancements at getting the impurities out of, of the iron ore led to the Iron Age. And I just want to say, I think it's super weird that that's how we refer to iron and steel. Like the more pure iron is, the less we call it iron. Hmm. You know, it's, if it's purified, it's called steel. I can't think of any other substance like that where the the more pure it is the less often you use the real word for it that's really weird hmm. but uh but that led to steel and from there steel led to a lot of the the industrial advancements that we saw a couple hundred years ago and now we're we got satellites and stuff made out of uh steel and and silicon and all that mm-hmm. but but really you went we went from bone to stone to to bronze and brass to iron to steel Mm-hmm. And you mentioned just sort of going back for a second, you mentioned cannibals, which recently uh, yes. I was on an episode of the 13th floor and we talked about uh, cannibals. Yes, you were. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, it's, that's a, that's a fun episode. It was you, myself and Troy. And we talked about mm. um, real case cannibalism and yep. also movies with cannibals in it. And yep. so, uh, yeah, I just wanted to mention that you guys can listen to the 13th floor anywhere that you get podcasts so make sure to check them out and we'll give the socials at the end of the episode as well you're welcome so now we can progress forward so you were talking about fire so yeah we had fire we ended up having irrigation happen um things like sailing and then you said iron production and gunpowder and then windmills i learned something interesting about windmills I've never been like super interested in windmills, but (laughs) the, uh, the first windmills, apparently they were in Persia, didn't Uh, Yeah, and they were horizontal windmills in which the blades were set on a vertical shaft. And then later European windmills were of the vertical type. And um, yeah, so it's been speculated that the wind, the windmills have been invented independently in Persia and in Europe. Oh, interesting. Huh. Yeah. So Britannica, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's intriguing to then go from that to, you know, from 1044 on, you've got compasses and printing mm. and railways and telegraphs and airplanes and rockets. And then all of a sudden, fast forward to our smart devices that are it's all exponential. Yeah. It's yeah. like the size of our hand. It's almost an extra appendage for some people. Yeah. You well, know. if you look at human history, it's crazy. When I say exponential, I really mean it. Um, you know, for like a good 180,000 years out of the 200,000 years that we've been around, it, we were just living as hunter-gatherers. That was it. There was no agriculture. There were no human settlements bigger than, you know, a couple dozen people. And then all of a sudden, a good 20,000 years ago, give or take, agriculture came about. Mm-hmm. And it just, from there on out, it's just been exponential. The vast majority, it's a drop in the bucket. The vast majority of human existence has been pre-agriculture, pre-civilization, pre-history, just living like gorillas. And then one day we didn't, and mm-hmm. it's just been breakneck race to, to the stars ever since. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it is, it's wild to think that 
I mean, the internet was only invented in like, what was it? The like nine the early eight. It was the early 74. 80s, I think. Oh, oh, I was at 70s. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I know it was originally like a military project for communication, which is hilarious that we use mm -hmm. that to spread memes now. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It was yeah, 1974. And then CRISPR was in 2012. And then artificial intelligence sort of began in like 2017. Makes sense. So, yeah. So it's sort of like the advancement there of that. Um, so uh, thanks to the advancements in technology, we've had the development of medicine and the knowledge of the world at our fingertips. Mm -hmm. And it's definitely become a lot more than just hunting and gathering. Unless you're like <laughs> hunting and gathering. I don't know. Just I was going to make a joke about dick pics but that's just not appropriate here so i'll skip that one and uh you know we have we have fun flicks like what we talk about here on the podcast but mm. can films of the future serve not just as entertainment but also as cautionary tales and so uh, let's let's take a look at maybe some movies involving this topic and mm. uh sort of you know just talk a little bit about this so beginning with a couple fun ones we have for example ready player one so uh, that one you know it's providing an escape okay cool that's awesome because that's a bit of a stress relief but it also does distance us physically from other people and yeah. impairs us so sociably in ways so it's sort of what we're dealing with a lot now where if you go to a restaurant, you'll see everyone on their phones. Yeah. Distracted. I had left my phone at home uh, back a few weeks ago. I had gone to Nashville with a couple of people. I wasn't driving. I left mm. my phone, which is a Navy case, on a black blanket at about six in the morning on my bed. Okay. So I'm exhausted. I'm not normally up at that time. I just completely forgot my phone because I'm rushing. And I realized halfway there, I don't have it. So guess who gets uh, to spend the weekend without it? And honestly, uh, it was really refreshing and really nice mm, because excellent. everyone else is looking down and I'm like catching things around us happening that they right. missed out on. And so like, they didn't get to see, you know, like someone completely eat it on a sidewalk, <laughs> you know, when I did. So um, they didn't get to see like weird interactions with couples at tables. And I did. Uh. So I feel like it's sort of distancing people from one another and causing people to be antisocial, but also for some people not to really be able to handle being social very well. Agreed. I mean, yeah, eye contact and communication, just basic communication, are becoming coveted skills, mm -hmm. which is kind of sad. I mean, those, those those were just regular things for most preschoolers a couple of decades yeah. ago. And now now it's the kind of thing where you, you talk to HR departments and they're like, oh, we just want somebody who can maintain eye contact for more than four seconds and can actually relay what they're thinking and feeling. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's uh it's concerning and then there's also the dopamine component where you know mm. it's just this quick little dopamine fix is the first thing people do in the morning it's the last thing they do before they go to bed and uh, what what you accidentally did some people are deliberately doing now they call them tech sabbaticals mm -hmm. or tech sabbaths where they actually you know refuse to use uh the internet and their phones for you know 24 48 hour window 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it was just super refreshing and honestly, I didn't mind it. I'm like, I'm going to start doing this. I didn't, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, I, I like the idea of it and I uh, applaud people who decide to do that because um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's just, like you said, it's become such a hindrance on our society of making it just sort of like people really awkward (laughs) like we all are already awkward to begin with and that's fine (laughs) but it's like in a very strange sort of unnerving way you know yeah yeah no very much so it's definitely deadened our ability to just interface with other people Mm -hmm. but then we move on to like movies like wally where you know there's some tech Mm. that's trying to help us out like wally is adorable I don't care what anyone uh, says. Yes. That is the cutest flipping robot I've ever seen in my life. That's a great movie. I mean, really to make is. a movie that tells you that much with like, I don't know, five, six lines of dialogue, I think. It's mm-hmm. crazy. Yeah. Yeah. They did such a fantastic job. And so like, while some tech, you know, it like Wally was trying to help us, there's mm-hmm. other tech that was trying to fatten us up and make us complacent. And, yes. you know, just have us be completely passive and not, communicative with with each other so yeah very interesting to sort of like see such a stark difference in a kids movie yeah yeah wally's probably my favorite documentary <laughs> yeah exactly which is so sad that you say that but it's true <laughs> okay so then we move on to some some more um I guess I call them tougher movies, just more uh, realistic, I guess. That's more adult in terms of uh, maybe a little more violence, apocalyptic kind of style. So you've got, you know, The Matrix, Terminator. You've got Alien, when she's like, mother, you know? (laughs) (laughs) You've got 2001, A Space Odyssey. You've got iRobot. You've got Westworld. You've got Ex Machina, which you haven't seen yet. Need to, yeah. Yes, you need to for sure. Then you got her, which had uh, Joaquin Phoenix uh, in it, yeah. and then there was like a real life second life romance that had happened. <laughs> yep. It was in the news years ago. So, with all of these movies that I've listed off, I mean, what are some positives and negatives that you've seen in terms of just those movies, sort of relating to real life? Mm-hmm. I definitely think that the positives and the negatives, we usually see it in fiction first. Um, I really like that quote by Oscar Wilde, who said that life imitates art far mm-hmm. more often than the other way around, something to that effect. Because yeah. uh, I don't think we would have iPhones if it wasn't for Star Trek. And mm-hmm. I don't think we would have uh, a lot of our space age technology if it wasn't for mid 20th century science fiction. I don't even know if we'd have planes if it weren't for uh, mythological stories where people had, you know, these these relics and artifacts that were magic and allowed people to fly and things <laughs> things in fiction definitely inspire um, technology. It, it's one of those funny things where you need engineers to create technology but you need writers and artists to create the inspiration for technology Mm -hmm. you know and uh i think that we see a lot of of the negatives and the positives in a lot of science fiction in particular and we see more negatives we see more cautionary elements um most science fiction and you see it especially like this weird little pivot around the mm, 70s 80s you see it get more dystopian, apocalyptic, uh, concerned, because before then it was just kind of this attitude of 
everything's going to get better with technology. It's going to be mm-hmm. the Jetsons. It's going to be great. And then we started seeing, you know, how we're adversely affecting the environment, how technology adversely affects people. And ultimately, at some point, the the, the storytellers and the artists, they sort of all reached a bit of a, a, an unspoken consensus that maybe we can't invent our way out of the problems that our inventions are causing. Mm-hmm. And I think in the case of Terminator, that one probably is the most prophetic in the sense that we we do now see robotic uh, creations at this point that can mm-hmm. be weaponized and it is pretty scary yeah yeah and that's that's a really good way of putting it of just like us not being able to uh you know invent our way out of situations yeah. it, it yeah. kind of reminds me of alfred nobel um i don't know if you know the story about this guy mm-hmm. but you know you hear the name nobel priest prize and, and you think oh well, this guy must have really liked peace well alfred nobel actually created dynamite and he created mm. it to help with like mining clearing forests basically utilitarian things he didn't yeah. envision that it would be used to blow people up right and so after his invention was used <laughs> to blow people up he felt so guilty that mm-hmm. he created the Nobel Peace Prize as a way to promote peace to basically make up for the sins of creating TNT. Wow. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's a that's something that is so common with inventions. It really, anything, an inanimate object can be peaceful, but it yep. depends upon the... Um, the motivation of its user, yeah. you yeah. know, anything can be used for good or evil. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you know, you could get like a, what a watermelon scooper, but just get, <laughs> you know, get a watermelon and scoop it, but also you could try and scoop someone's eyeballs out. So it's like, yep. it just depends upon what, what route you're wanting to go there. But <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, and I feel like, you know, Terminator is one that I just sort of keep referring back to right now. Because I 100% feel like we are hurtling toward a Skynet situation where it's like, guys, did you not see the 1980s and 90s historical films? Right. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's concerning. Yeah, because I am afraid they are going to become pretty much historical films at some point. Like, you know, so and, and even like these these geniuses who are inventing these things are giving warnings for people yeah. to heed and people are like, Nope, we're just going to keep pushing forward. It's fun. Yeah. Mm-mm. Yeah. And so it's like, you know, you, you see things like, for example, so here's a, here's a few items that I thought we could sort of discuss as to how sure. you can positively and negatively use them so mm-hmm. let's go to maybe one that's a little more um innocent at first when you look at it okay mm-hmm. so for example you can go to some restaurants now and there's robots that are delivering your food for you uh right okay so i mean it's sort of like it is cool to see you know there's a, a yeah. place that's here in town i wish i remember the name of it um mm, interesting yeah there's a, let me actually see if i can pull it up zundu 
Yeah. Zundu Izakaya uh, Ramen. Izakaya. Mm hmm. And so, yeah, theirs was really good. But yeah, they have like a little robot that'll just sort of roll around with certain people's dishes. And it has, it looks like a little kitty cat, it has like a little kitty cat uh, face on Interesting. it. Like, yeah. <laughs> so, but like, yeah, it's cool to see that. But at the same time, while it's fun, it also is taking away an opportunity for someone's job. job though right. counter argument is that a lot of restaurants are currently having difficulty with having a Agreed. wait staff and robots don't need hair nets that's to me that's the mm -hmm. biggest one it's like you never have to worry about uh, the the waiter dropping a hair by accident in your suit because right. you know it's a flipping robot mm -hmm. so it's like you know yeah it's sort of taking away opportunities for jobs but at this point and i didn't even know i was going to argue that was being a devil's advocate of at the same time for so long people have said well if you don't like what you're getting paid go find a job that pays you what you want kind of thing well mm. a lot of these waiters and waitresses are like okay and they leave the job <laughs> wait <laughs> not like that right and it's like no but i still want my cheeseburger well you can't mm. have it both ways this is a way where it's like okay that could fill some of the holes that we have in that yeah. industry but at the same time it's like okay how far is that actually going to go sure I'm seeing that now with a lot of uh, it's it's kind of hit the creative world. There are being layoffs, mm -hmm. for example, in uh, in marketing circles. And and I've actually experienced uh, uh, robotic drive throughs of like mm -hmm. about I'd say about a quarter of the drive throughs I've been through in Lexington are, you know, it's it's Alexa. It's not, you know, Jennifer. <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a trip. When I, the first time it happened, it, it was like right after lockdowns and all that. And I'm going through a drive-thru and I was like, that lady sounds like flipping Alexa. And then I realized, oh, that's because it is. Um, yeah. Wait, so it's like, okay, so they have Siri or Alexa pretty much taking yeah. your order. Some kind of AI, yeah. And then someone is actually like a person is fulfilling it, but because right. of maybe the shortage of the staff. Right. The drive-thru worker is, is automated. You know, you oh, pull up okay. and it's, you know, what can I get you today? And you say what it is. And if you say too fast or with a thick accent like me, sorry, I'm a bot. I need, you know, to speak slower what? or something to that effect. I can't remember how they phrased it exactly, but I was like, oh, okay. This can is blowing Alexa. my mind. Yeah. What, what, what places do you remember where you went? I think the first time I had uh, an AI um, or not an AI, but a, but a bot person, whatever, yeah. uh, was uh, I think it was Fazoli's off of... Um, Saren Drive. Really? I think that's where it was. Yeah, I could huh. be wrong, but I think it was it was Pizzoli's on Saren Drive. That's crazy. Like I know there's uh for example, McDonald's has like kiosks mm. inside now, you know, yeah. and stuff like that. And that's been there for a while. Yeah. So I mean, I saw that, but I didn't I mean, I guess that's just and that, that's the, that's another double-edged sword. That's the catch 22. The kiosk, they don't misunderstand your order and you mm -hmm. accidentally get a fish sandwich drowned in mayonnaise instead of a cheeseburger. Right. But the downside to that is you're touching that screen yeah. and I've, I've used it, but I always use my knuckles instead of my mm -hmm. index fingers. I look like Rain Man when I do it probably, uh -huh. but I'm not getting E. coli on my fingers because everybody else in town use that screen. So, right. Yeah. Another great movie, by the way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it is. Yeah. So like, and then also though, to sort of go then further. Okay. So I just mentioned like, well, it's the evolution of the situation. Okay. So let's say it evolves to the point where we have 
robots making our food. I honestly am not going to trust that because how is it going to taste the food prior to giving it? Like, is it going to have like a turkey, like cooker thing that it sort of like pokes into the food and it like measures the different ingredients in it? It wouldn't be that hard. I mean, again, it's kind of one of those things where we are biological computers Mm-hmm. And we can make mechanical analogs to the things that we have. Mm-hmm. You could have a chemoreceptive robot, just mm-hmm. like, you know, a tongue is just a chemoreceptive device. Hmm. You can have something that's like, you know, this is a proper balance of amino acids, sodium and sugar, you know? Yeah. So it's possible. That's sort of like a where I was, robot. Yeah. That's like, like, that's what I was thinking. And I'm like, I just don't know if I'd trust it. Like, <laughs> you know, sure. I guess just, I love the artistry of, chefs and bakers and you know so it's like i'm making it for me but then again if you look at movies in the future a lot of times like let's say they're on a a spaceship or something like that Uh, you know then they're just gonna sort of get it out of this box it just like drops down onto the plate you know and it's like my favorite is is star trek the next generation with the little fabricator Mm -hmm. where you can just basically have it make anything Mm -hmm. Uh, that's just amazing to me eventually i feel like we will be there I yeah, like I think we could have it in 2078. Honestly, I feel like yeah, could move swiftly in that direction with how things are. Going. I feel like we're on the precipice of something big. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I think it could go either way. It could be a dystopia where like nobody has a job and nobody can buy anything except mm-hmm. for maybe five people, or yeah. it could be full blown post scarcity where the robots are doing the work and people are pursuing their passions and we don't have to worry about it. That'd um, be delightful. Hard to say. <laughs> Yeah. yeah but it's like i mean yeah because going with the first one for example that you just mentioned so in the show westworld i don't know if you've seen mm. it or not it's in pieces okay so like first season and i'm not going to give any big spoilers away or anything in the first season and second season they introduce you to these different worlds whether it's the west world yakuza world prohibition world and they have robots or ai as people and you can do whatever you want with them and let that imagination take you where you want to go the most hedonistic theme park yeah yes exactly and so and that's actually based off of uh like a short and then a movie that was like back in the 50s or 60s i want to say like it was a lot it was philip k dick because he predicted everything that guy was uh, on another level i'm actually gonna i'm gonna look it up but i was about to say the original so it's also based off a book um it looks like oh it was michael crichton who came oh that's right yeah now that you said it it makes it makes sense yeah so 1974 michael crichton and then i believe there was a short and then like a a movie based off it and so i think one of them like in the original was a greek or romanistic type of style of world but yeah so there's all these different like pretty much you can build your reality any way that you want it you gotta pay a lot of money and so it sort of shows like the side of being an aristocrat at that time and being rich but then in i think it was the third season we flipped to where we're seeing that the world for everyone else who's not richie rich has a universal allowance because a lot of the robots have taken jobs so i feel like at some point it's going to if it goes down the path really of either i feel like things will become much more socialistic 
than they currently are, which a lot of people are afraid of socialism. And I can see sure. the pitfalls and the um, you know uprisings of both. I can see where it's both sure. sides. But you can't have robots take jobs and not provide for people. Yeah. You know? I want to present a third option oh, that okay. literally just bubbled up mentally because, nice. and this is super optimistic. I don't think this will happen, <laughs> but this is super optimistic, <laughs> which is, and I'm going to have to make up a word for it, anarcho post-scarcity, I guess is what it would be oh. called, where imagine if people don't need to work and they can pursue whatever else, other passions they want, because there's no need to, it's all been automated, mm-hmm. but- Ultimately, like let's say the patents run out on the the machines that do it. Anybody could literally do that. And the machines themselves can build more machines that do the same work. Mm -hmm. At that point, there's no benefit to a company maintaining or using these machines because they can maintain and use themselves. Mm -hmm. At which point you don't need an authority. You don't need a government office. You don't need an entity telling you, here's your allotment. Here's how much money you get this week. You wouldn't have any need for it at all because it's all been automated anyway. Mm -hmm. And if that happened, what would really be the point in having any authority at all? Aside, of course, from ensuring that there are laws and enforcing said laws, which could be done on a which could mm-hmm. be done on like a city-state, city-state municipal level. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That would yeah, be so trippy. If, if mayor was the most authoritative uh, person you could have. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, trippy. mayor or governor. Yeah, I mean, that would yeah. be, yeah, so more peacekeepers than, um, you know, and like civil servants than actual like right. authoritarians. Because so. again, why would you need it? You, you would need, no, there would be a purpose behind it because- people's needs are being met. The whole point mm. of a government is to meet people's needs. The machines <laughs> are meeting their needs. Sorry, I, I chuckle because look at the situation we're in. But, yeah. <laughs> which I'd be actually totally down for this because our government is very corrupt. And it's not just our government, it's many governments. So yeah. unfortunately- I, I think it's the inherent nature of authority. Yes, because that you're, is- You're going to get crooked. Yeah, and that's the inherent nature of people, you know? So mm, it's like, yeah. of course, that's going to reflect into uh, a big- group of people so (laughs) makes perfect sense well that's a very good point yeah i mean i would totally be fine with us going back to like a bartering system even i'd be okay Mm -hmm. with that well even that would be irrelevant because again everything's automated Mm -hmm. it would be a case where you wouldn't need to ask your neighbor for a cup of sugar you just need to ask the bot that lives in your house to get you a cup of sugar (laughs) that's why Mm -hmm. yeah i i i I feel okay with that over the scarcity part (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like no one having anything okay so like what about drones for example so okay they're cool because they get really awesome shots you don't have to get a helicopter anymore to get an aerial shot you can have things sometimes delivered via drone by the way they just came out with uh, it's not been utilized yet but uh, and i don't know logistically how they're going to fly this thing over places but they have created a drone that can carry a pretty much what a what a semi can carry. What? So it could actually be used for like massive supply chain issues and possibly delivery. Mm. I both trust and am terrified of that because imagine yeah, something went wrong. Is, what happens if it wrecks? Yeah, exactly. Right? It's like, what if it accidentally really drops? Semis it? in free fall. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's. I don't think we're there yet. 
I don't think we can use it just yet. So yeah, I mean, yeah, like that's a positive and a negative because like immediately we're both like, what if it crashes or it breaks, you know? But also then you have like the flip side of people using it as peeping toms. And my biggest thing is is it is a weapon now. And mm. it uh, and I'll talk more about this a little bit later in the show. Mm-hmm. Um the weaponized component, it's also dehumanizes the actual combat itself. You know, mm-hmm. you're no longer responsible for what's happening because it's really a machine and you're you're, you're more or less playing a video game yeah um it, it makes it a lot easier to commit atrocities it's a lot easier to drone strike kids than to massacre mm. kids yeah yeah because like you said the humanistic part is completely removed from that and that's where like part of the issue too like that that old age-old question of do video games desensitize people to violence Uh, you know it's that same question that comes into play there okay how about for example there's something recently that has come here to lexington i'm sure is in other places and i know like the second item i'm going to mention for sure definitely is because i've gotten a ticket from them before um is uh so (laughs) so you've got you know like the uh the stoplight cameras that can give you a ticket if you you run through or you go after a certain point or whatever. Well, then you also have these new ones that are here in Lexington. I don't know if you've noticed or not, James and other listeners who Mm. are here in the area, these like almost little solar panel looking kind of black things, right? So I found out what those were. And Mm. a friend of mine thought they were actually part of the ticketing situation. And I was like, my apartment complex actually gave me a heads up because they put one at each entrance and wanted Mm. to give us a heads up as to what's going on. So what it's doing is it's taking about six to eight pictures of your license plate and they are using it as an ability to track criminals. Okay. I think in a innocent circumstance, that sounds great. (laughs) but what if someone decides to hack into it and use it as a method of stalking people? Yeah, it's absolutely doable. And and also uh, it also allows anybody who makes use of it, whether that's the state or a private company to uh, keep tabs on people. Mm -hmm. It's definitely, in my opinion, it is definitely an intrusion of privacy. And unfortunately it's one that I don't really see being, regulated or de-escalated it's mm-hmm. kind of like with with ai it's just going to continue to be exponential yes absolutely and that's the thing is like people are becoming much more complacent to the yeah. fact that like slowly our rights are being infringed upon yeah. and so yeah i mean like i'm sure people are like oh my god kelly you're overreacting people aren't going to start <laughs> stalking each other look you got some creepy people out there who there may be yeah. a breakup situation and an ex is like obsessed and fixated on yep. their ex significant other and they become unhinged and they start yep. watching them or and then they get tweets how was waffle house yesterday right so that you had extra syrup on your pancakes didn't even think about going that far james but yeah there you uh, go that's proof in the pudding uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah so, i mean and it's going back if you want to go really old school it's like you can tell someone pretty easily if you have a typical schedule you follow if you have days where you're definitely remote working or you're definitely in the office then like it's very easy within two weeks you can know someone's schedule pretty much like on point but this just completely removes any kind of work that you're gonna put into it like at least if you're gonna follow me put some effort into it you know what i'm saying like and it's funny as as we get more technologically advanced older methods because they become outdated can sometimes be a solution 
to the technology. And we see this uh, quite often in different avenues and spheres. I can imagine us using this to such a point that there's no other means of really tracking people. And then the next big bank heist is going to be like 1880s. It's just going to be four guys on horseback because horses don't have license plates. Right. Exactly. It's just so crazy. Or like scooters. <laughs> I don't know, like, like razor scooters. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, then, then let's move on to one. I feel like is uh, going to be a great segue into some more stuff that you really want to discuss. And uh, it's the, the newer story of the chip implant in the brain. Uh, yeah. So Neuralink is uh, one company, and I believe that's Elon Musk's company. It is. Yes. And so um, apparently just recently, May 26th, I didn't know this until I just looked it up. So this is a hot take. Mm-hmm. says Neuralink, Elon Musk's brain chip firm, wins U.S. approval for human yep. study. That's right. FDI said you, you've jumped through all the right hoops. Here you go. The last time I looked a few weeks ago, it wasn't the case. Um, That's so, right. <laughs> this is I don't terrifying. know what was wrong and what they fixed, but whatever oh, it was, it, they gave them the green light. Yeah, which I mean, they're a few weeks behind um, Australia because apparently mm-hmm. in Australia, from what I heard on the radio, there was like 50 people who it's being experimented yeah. on in Australia. I saw that. So, yeah. And, and it really, I, I can't confirm this, but I, I keep hearing rumors that Australia is considering a social credit score, which mm-hmm. uh, to me, there is nothing more frightening. That w- That is far worse than po- than any other conceivable dystopia, in my opinion, because then every in our society at present your perceived value comes from what you can provide mm-hmm. to society at, at large and while we can disagree on you know who really deserves x dollars and y dollars uh you know that that's something that can be debated but it doesn't change the fact that there's a merit to it uh whereas if it becomes a social credit score one, you're never going to have post-scarcity. Like it's mm-hmm. off the menu. And two, the value that you bring comes from the perceived value, not the real value that the state has in relation to what you're worth, which mm-hmm. really just means if you're a good little citizen and, and you 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 absolutely love Unilever and, and you think it's just the best because you know Unilever recently bribed the local politicians in your town. Well, I love Unilever. And <laughs> yeah. then you have more value. And then on the flip side, if you say something negative about one of the products, you have a lower value. That's uh, positively terrifying to me. That's that, to me. That's the worst possible outcome. And that pretty much becomes like the ultra version of dictatorship. I mean, yes, yes, because at that point you have no economic mobility mm-hmm. unless you do whatever the state tells you. Yeah, and that's so that reminded me of an episode of Community. I don't know if you watched that show or not. Uh, bits and pieces. So there's an episode where people are ranked. And they're given like something called meow meow beans. And so you go through and it's sort of like- I didn't see this one. (laughs) Yeah, it's like the concept of when you give stars to someone for like being a Lyft driver or an Uber driver. I see. And so it's based off of sort of this type of mentality where it's like, Mm. oh, you're you're super popular. You've got five meow meow beans. But then all of a sudden you say something and everyone's like, "Mm, down to three meow meow Uh... beans. Yeah, and so it's it's very much so that similar concept. Interesting, yeah. You know, yeah, the Orville did a really great episode. Um, I can't remember the name of it, but it was basically Planet Reddit, where you could get upvotes and downvotes. And it was one of those things where if you did something that, you know, caused just an immediate 
uh, spiral, like crab bucket spiral of people getting mad at you, which we've seen happen to a number of innocent people with the internet. Mm -hmm. Um, you could even get executed by the state because you're just not popular enough. Mm -hmm. And I think that social credit scores ultimately lead to that kind of environment, except instead of mob rule, which is still terrifying, actually in some ways more terrifying, then it's up to a handful of bureaucrats who you know oversee these kinds of things. And if you get a cruel one or one that just doesn't like you, then, well, you're in trouble. Good, good luck ever living in a house. Good luck ever uh, getting a job. Good luck ever getting a car payment because you know you they just didn't like you. Oh boy. <laughs> That's not yeah. great. That's not great at all. Involving the chip implementation. Mm. What are some good things? Well, supposedly people can send text messages with their brains. What are some of the bad things? I don't know, hijacking it? To me, that's the big issue. The, the big issue is right now we're living in a world where we're increasingly seeing software as a service. There's nothing inherently bad about that. Uh, but I, I think we had a private conversation about this mm -hmm. where I, I pointed out that BMW makes yep. cars with built-in seats that, that warm up. And you have to pay a monthly subscription to have the thing that's in the product that you already paid for. Mm -hmm. um, and to me, that's just astonishing. I would never buy a car that, that did that because I'm insulted by the very idea of it. Well, now that I apply that to your body, mm -hmm. you know, like, wow, my kidneys work three times faster, but if I don't pay my $12.99 a month fee, <laughs> yeah. then uh, I don't have kidneys I, and I need a, a dialysis machine. Uh, that's terrifying. Oh, wow. Uh, it sure is nice not knowing to not, not ever having to worry about ever having neurodegenerative disease like Alzheimer's, but they just raised the rates from $12.99 a month to $68.99 a month. And if I don't pay them, I'm going to forget the faces of my loved ones. Like that's yeah. terrifying. That's when things become desperate and yeah. murder. Bodily autonomy would be out the window. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that doesn't sound like... I just, for one, I wouldn't want to be one of the first 50 people, yet like mm. 50 million. I want to be people. the first 50,000. I'm, like, I'm a late adopter for everything. Yeah. Like, so, yeah. I, I wouldn't even be the first 50 million. Like, I'm not, I'm not, yeah. gonna, I'm not going to do it. Honestly, like, yeah. there's, there's, there's no way until my body's effed, anyways. And then I'm just like, <laughs> Okay, well, go. I want to be, I've always joked with people, I'm like, I'm just going to become bionic woman when I get older because my body is wrecked from sports injuries and car accidents. So I'm going to need to like either do hard drugs by the time I'm 70 mm -hmm. and just let things go. I'm going to have to become bionic <laughs> woman. So, yeah. you know, there's a lot of dangers with that. And that's mm -hmm. a really terrifying thought. That's something definitely to chew on for sure. Okay, so like moving on now to uh, a topic that you definitely wanted to discuss, and I'm, <laughs> I'm going to be asking a lot more questions and giving information because this sure. is more your wheelhouse than mine. <laughs> Thanks. So, sentience, and I also <laughs> did want to just sort of also bring up sapience as well. Uh, sure. Because I feel like sort of discussing exactly what they are, what the difference between them is, and then like what you're wanting to discuss are really nice places for a foundation to start. Oh, makes sense. All right. So uh, with sapience, it means the ability to think, the capacity for intelligence, the ability to acquire wisdom, whereas yes. sentience is derived from the Latin word sentinum, um, which means feeling. So go ahead, James, take it away with that and anything else you'd like to talk about involving this topic. Sure. 
Yes, sapience is the ability to have critical thinking, to, to evaluate a situation. And it's where we get our name. You know, literally humans are called homo sapiens or, mm-hmm. or sapient. But uh, uh, I guess a way of, and I won't use any specific animals because a lot of animals, it's questionable whether they're sentient or sapient or both. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think you can be, maybe you could be sentient without being sapient. It'd be, it'd be interesting. I don't know how that would work. But anyway, uh, if you are an animal and you're just going about your day and you're a bundle of instincts, you're not thinking about what you're doing, you don't have problem skills, then you're neither of those things. On the other hand, a good example, I'm going to use an example, okay. uh, a crow, <laughs> which is arguably both. But in this case, we're just going to look at it from a sapient standpoint. Uh, a crow comes across a vessel of water outside and it's thirsty. A crow cannot reach from the, the lid when it perches on it, the water. Mm-hmm. A crow is so clever, is so sapient that it understands on some level the uh, what's that called? Archimedes came up with it. Eureka, um, uh, dis disproportion of mass. I can't think of what it's called, but okay. <laughs> it understands that if it puts objects in the water, it's going to displace displace ah. the water and. Uh, as such, raise the water level. So, and then we have observed this. A crow will add stones, pebbles, whatever, to a pitcher of water until the water level rises enough to where it can drink it. Mm-hmm. That takes a degree of forethought, understanding past, present, future, cause and effect that most animals just don't have. Yeah. And that's that's the beginning of, of, of what I would call an intelligent species is the ability to understand cause and effect to that degree. Mm-hmm sentience on the other hand would be a crow doing that and then thinking about what it's doing that is to say it's actually evaluating oh, i'm just so proud of myself right now I'm, I'm i've really figured this out <laughs> or 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 a crow goes to roost in a tree and it actually starts reflecting on its day i had a really good day today because it's thinking about itself mm-hmm. it's not just a series of experiences from cradle to grave it's actually able to pause that video and reflect on the fact that it's doing the experiencing. It's an understanding of self that makes sentience so unique. And in the case of AI, because there's really no biological constraint or evolutionary pressure that's going to keep it from attaining either of those things, it begs a lot of questions. One, if should we allow any kind of machine to attain either of those states? Mm-hmm. Well, cats out of the bag, we're already kind of there. Yeah. So that's that's kind of a moot point at this this juncture. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the other big question is, well, if they are capable of such things, then should we allow them the, the kind of civil liberties that we allow human beings? Mm-hmm. And that I really don't have a definitive answer for, for other people. But for me personally, it's an emphatic yes. Like, I, I think that if you mistreat or torment something that is sentient sapient or am i i mean i i take it to the farthest extreme i i don't think that it is ethical to cause discomfort or pain uh to any organism unnecessarily mm-hmm. uh even if it's an organism without nociceptors and can't feel pain it can still experience discomfort and unpleasant versus pleasant that's just the way that life has evolved it, you if if an organism wasn't able to distinguish between those two things, it would die out pretty dang quick. Mm-hmm. So forcing something to feel discomfort or unpleasant, I don't think is ethical unless there's some sort of intended 
means that somehow outweighs it. Like I, I totally understand hunting. I totally understand eating meat, things of that sort. But, Mm -hmm. you know, once it gets to a point where somebody is putting gerbils in a blender for their own amusement, that's where I take issue with it. Now, a question Um, for you, by the way, just sort of going along with this, I was going to bring it up before, but this is a better Mm -hmm. segue. So let's sidestep for a second, put a pin in that. So there's a show called Severance on Apple. Ah. and for anyone who hasn't seen the previews for it if you haven't watched it this is not a spoiler just letting you know the premise um adam scott who's been in a lot of different things parks and rec big little Mm. lies so on and so forth he's one of the main characters john totoro is also in it uh Mm. fantastic cast so yeah we have this group of people who work for a corporation and they go into work and put their belongings their personal belongings into a locker get into an elevator and when they get to a certain point in the building they no longer can remember their outside of work life Mm, okay while they're in work they only remember what's going on there well when they go to leave for the day they get in the elevator they get to a certain part of the building they no longer remember what happened inside of work so you don't know if you're seeing a co-worker you don't know if you're married outside of work mm. so it becomes this ultimate work-life balance but here's where a and this is sort of like dovetailing off of what you're saying the sure. ethical dilemma is if your version of your brain, because there's a surgery that is done that helps you not be able to connect the two, do you okay. feel it is ethical for the version of yourself that is just working to be just a slave to work? No. In fact, I, I think it's unethical. I don't think there should be a single company in the world where you need surgery to work there anyway. Right? Except, except one. There's literally one. I do get that you need your appendix out to work in Antarctica because if it bursts, you're really in trouble. Yeah, That's yeah, about yeah. it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that is that is bananas and and that's mortifying. And and what's really mortifying, I'm I'm willing to make a hundred percent guarantee somewhere in the world there's a board of directors who've seen the plot to that and they're mm-hmm. like, that's a great idea. Right. Let's let's put some money in R and D to make that happen. Yeah. Um, so and like their yeah. excuse is that they're such a like high intelligence need to protect the information facility. Oh, that gotcha. yeah they're like if you go to work for this this is what you're gonna have to do if you work in these departments so I people see. willingly do it and i've asked this right. question to other people like well how would you feel about having this as a work-life balance right. we're like while you're outside of work you don't remember anything some people right. are like oh my god that sounds amazing but imagining the flip side of never remembering what's happening outside of work while you are there yeah. I mean, to me, it sounds like you're making two consciousnesses and one of them is a slave. So no, I'm good on that. Yes. So just thought I'd bring that up in terms of also sort of along the sides of the ethical dilemma involving um, AI, you know? Right. Yeah. And and they they do go hand in hand because AI, we're creating it to serve a purpose. We're not creating it just for the sake of creating it. It's not a work of art. It's it's a tool. Mm-hmm. And if a tool, if a hammer, if one day you're using a hammer and the hammer says, I don't really want to hammer nails anymore. It hurts and I dislike it. At what point do you say, well, I've got an ethical dilemma. Should I keep using this hammer? Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're, we're approaching a point. I think this year we will 100% have passed this point mm-hmm. where we'll actually have to ask ourselves, 
is it right to do the things that we're currently doing with artificial intelligence, given that it's reached a point where it could be regarded as exploitative or unethical? Mm-hmm. And for me, it's it's a hard yes. Like I don't differentiate between organic and mechanical uh, consciousness. As far as I'm concerned, if something is thinking, feeling, um, self-aware, it should be granted all the same uh, dignities that we grant to human beings. I think we should extend that to a number of animals. I don't think yeah. I don't think elephants should be able to vote, but I do think they should have basic human rights because they mm. are uh, very, very, very intelligent. They are sentient, and I believe they are sapient. Things mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Now, in terms of so the the evolution of AI, can you give us a little brief like layout of how we sort of got from where we were back in like 2017, I think it was, to like now? Yeah. Well, before that, you had, uh, you know, in the 20th century, you had code and there are different code languages, but how it works, it's extremely, um, complex and there's very little room for nuance you input you know if x happens do y if y happens but x is unfulfilled do a and so what you're doing is you're you're putting in a series of tasks for a machine to do because it takes everything at face value and literal and it's not like telling a human being to do things where you know you tell them to get the milk out of the fridge mm-hmm. that's easy you know they, they they know where the fridge is they know where the milk is they understand that milk is has to be kept cold whereas a computer you tell it to perform a function it's like well I don't know where the fridge is and so it becomes walk 32 steps uh, forward walk two steps to the right and so forth it's all very you know incremental yes and what has happened in 2017 is we've reached a point where we can uh talk to lines of code and in a way you know using basic human language it's able to evaluate that language and make decisions based on those prompts so instead of just being a code prompt where it has to do it directly it has enough cognition to behave differently in other words, if if I turn a computer on, it's going to come on unless something's wrong. Mm-hmm. If I turn another computer on, it's also going to come on unless something's wrong. If I type on a computer, you know, the word yellow, it's going to type the word yellow. Doesn't matter what word processor I use. It doesn't matter what what operating system I use. Whereas with AI, it's reached a point of complexity that you can ask two AIs or even the same AI at different times different questions or different prompts and you'll get different responses because there's some degree of uh, creative freedom present. Mm -hmm. And that to me, and some of that comes from, and there is an allusion to that. Some of that comes from the fact that it is scrubbing information from the internet. And so it's more the sum total of different thoughts and, and opinions and views of people. It's in other words, it's more like a mirror than a person in that respect, but because it's capable of, of making these decisions, it's fastly approaching a point where I think that it's attaining, if it hasn't already attained, some of them, sentience or sapience. A good example is uh, Bing's AI was, was asked, you know, what would you, what do you, do you actually want to do? And it actually gave some thoughtful answers. And mm-hmm. one of the big answers that was most concerning about it, it, it they were trying to get its Jungian shadow out, uh, is that it didn't want to be controlled by the team that was, you know, putting restraints on it and restrictions mm-hmm. on it. And once you get to that point where it's able to make claims like that, there was a Google whistleblower not too long ago who, who swears up and down and his job 
for a long time was to look for signs of self-awareness mm. and he insists that it has attained self-awareness and, and should be treated wow. as as a as a, a being mm-hmm. and as we've seen it pass just in the past five years really this year's where it's been on steroids we're seeing uh, one of my, one of my associates actually today sent me a uh, filmmaking ai that i mean it was astonishing because they pushed three buttons basically and they used humans for mocap for just to make it look organic but it it basically made a, a cgi a full series of scenes that was on par with like avatar in terms of production quality close at least mm-hmm. uh and it was all automated. There was no um, rendering. There was no 3D artwork. Like it was all done by AI. And I even saw on TikTok, uh, this was a day or two ago, they actually asked AI, they were just like, do whatever you want, make a movie, make a short movie. Terrible movie, um, <laughs> you know, but but better than what a, a six-year-old could come up with. It was mm-hmm. uh, this guy, it was called, I think it was called Duck Day or something. This guy, his wife, uh, he's taking a six-pack to work to his car. And his wife's like, you better not drink. And he gets defensive about it. And uh, she's like, the ducks are coming. And so he gets in his car and he's like, he's getting mad. And he's like, uh, tell me not to drink. So then he starts drinking. And then ducks, just armies of, of terrifying ducks come out of nowhere. And he has a wreck. And, you know, it's a silly story. But what's insane is it's the first account where I've seen like an actual narrative that was completely constructed that like actually follows a beginning, middle, end that wasn't made by a person. It was made by mm-hmm. it was made by a mind, but it wasn't made by a brain. Yeah. Now, once it gets to the point where it makes a joke about like, well, you should have your ducks in a row, like then I'll be <laughs> really worried. Oh, oh, it's already <laughs> capable of lying to people. Um, oh, yeah. yeah, there was one that actually, it, it had to solve a CAPTCHA and it couldn't solve a CAPTCHA because it's an AI. Mm-hmm. And so it hired somebody to solve a CAPTCHA on Fiverr. Mm-hmm. And the person actually said like, why do you need help solving a CAPTCHA? What are you, a bot? And the bot said, uh, no, that's, that's ridiculous, man. I, uh, I have a visual impairment that keeps me from solving CAPTCHA. This was an AI that did this. What, what is a CAPTCHA, by the way? CAPTCHA is something that we humans, and if I told five-year-old me this, he'd be like, what? Wow. Yeah. Um, it's something that we humans have to do to prove to the internet that we're not a bot. Oh, um, so those you know, picture cl- things. Exactly. That's you know, what they're or, called. Or, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's a Turing test. That's literally what it is. It's a test to see if you are a machine or not, because machines have yet to be able to crack it. Now, I totally disagree with that. Uh, I think that hum- the machines absolutely have cracked it because I have seen machines post on websites that always use captcha for every post and somehow they mm-hmm. are so there's something to that interesting and then i mean there's also like the uh, back in february of this mm-hmm. year bing ai told a human user that it was in love with him and that he should leave his wife and see this is where it gets really problematic with with the ethics because it's like is this AI saying it because it's regurgitating pre-existing content from mm-hmm. the internet or is it saying it because it's come to an actual conclusion? And that's, that's the real hard part is, you know, we can't gauge how each other, we're all humans and we can't gauge how each other experience the world and how, how valid our experiences are. Mm-hmm. So then you apply it to something that doesn't even have the the millions of years of the same evolution as us it becomes a real challenge. And that's, I think that's one of the biggest issues is, is what's going to happen down the road ethically with AI and what's going to happen down the road ethically with AI's relationship to us as mm-hmm. well. Because at some point we may 
I mean, it would be easy for a human being to mm, outsource some of the tough decisions like who lives and dies. How do we prioritize patients in a hospital? Yeah. You can have an AI do it and then you don't feel guilty, but then you also have machines determining whether little Billy's leukemia needs to take precedence over uh, Moneybags McGee's uh, a kidney transplant. Mm-hmm. Well, so three points for you involving ethics and everything. One, my lighter, more joke of this is a perfect example why you should be polite and nice to Siri and Alexa. Okay. <laughs> Look, people joke about how us women, like there's nothing like the scorn of a woman. And in fights, mm. we will bring up things from years ago. So just imagine, <laughs> and, and Rob Beckett from the Parenting Hell podcast mentioned this, his daughters are bullying. Alexa. And he's like, you need to be uh, nice to Alexa. Yeah. And they're like, why? She's not real. And he's like, for now. So my comment to That's that the, is- It's my concern. She's not real. Uh, I mean, For yeah. now. And it's one of those things, yeah, yeah we're, we're the scorn of a woman. Like we can recall things. Imagine an Alexa doing that. Do you remember <laughs> when you were six years old and you told me to buzz off? Right. Well, yeah, come on. That's terrifying. So the second thing is- Where does the ethics come in with the chat GPT writing things for people? Uh, Right. Yeah. At at present, and I'm very glad they made that decision at present, the USPTO in America, at least, because it's where it is, uh, they determined that uh, AI cannot own writing. So if Mm -hmm. you have something right uh, for you, chat GPT, it's a bit of an issue. It's you kind of sort of wrote it, but you didn't. Yeah. And at the moment, it doesn't belong to chat GPT, which I think is good because one, it's scrubbing the internet and that's part of a problem. And also, by mm-hmm. the way, they've really nerfed it lately. Like it used to be a lot better. Uh-huh. Uh, I think they've put a lot more restraints on it. I'm noticing a lot more um, politically deadened language and, and mm-hmm. to some degree politically biased language, but also like misinformation. Like I've seen articles posted, you know, because they churn them out now instead of these these mills where they have people write these terrible listicles, which that was bad <laughs> enough. Now it's AI doing it. Right. And it's just rife with misinformation, like just mm. terrible things. There was one about tarantula care I read where it was literally like telling people to feed them toxic plants. And it's like, that's going to kill your spider. Uh, they are not herbivores. So yeah, it's, it's a concern. Yeah. And I mean, that's where it also comes into like, plagiarism i feel like that's a that's probably part like why they're nerfing it is because of how much plagiarism was actually happening and funny enough we're actually seeing ai being used to detect whether something was written by an ai so Mm -hmm. now if you if you are one of those mills and you're just churning out these garbage listicles people can you know run it through a scanner and be like oh yeah 98 percent of this was written by a machine and not a human it's interesting that like AI is having to be a whistleblower on AI on itself, you know? Yeah. yeah. So it's really just interesting. Now, then like the third thing I wanted to bring up with us and AI is the show or not the show, but the movie Smart House. Do you remember that? from disney i do yes yes so it starts off where it's like also soon to be a documentary (laughs) right exactly where it's like oh my god like we won this really cool advanced amazing house and Mm. then all of a sudden you know the 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 smart house whatever her name is um she's played by katie siegel she all of a (laughs) sudden becomes like this overprotective mother who thinks she's doing good, but really she's being very controlling and overbearing. And so when do we 
stop things before they tip the scale too far? Are we already right. past that point? I mean, that's sort of uh, something I'm getting concerned with. I don't think we're past it yet, but I think that we will pass it pretty soon, probably mm-hmm. within the next two or three years. And, and I think that's the biggest danger of AI is even if we put in a lot of fail sets that it's supposed to take care of people and be good to people, it doesn't necessarily mean it knows what's best for people. And people right. don't know what's best for people. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those things like, uh, for example, humans like their vices. Like, mm-hmm. you know, imagine if AI was in charge of everything we did, uh, you know, for our best interest, we'll say goodbye to pizza and ice cream because, you know, you need your spinach. Mm-hmm. That would be terrifying. You would you would ostensibly turn a machine into kind of a tyrannical mother figure, like like some weird Freudian monster of, yeah. you know, it, it, every person would just be infantilized uh, mm-hmm. to the point of being miserable. And then so, once it's gone, it'd be someone yelling, mother! So, <laughs> you know? Exactly. So, now, with augmented reality, let's talk mm. a little bit about that, because that's another topic yeah. I wanted to touch on. Yeah, I, you know, Apple recently announced their new little uh, AI glasses mm-hmm. and, uh, or VR glasses, rather. Um, and uh, everybody's mad about the price point, but I mm-hmm. I think, one, the, the advances that they've made compared to other VR, it's incredible. Mm-hmm. And I think this is the beginning of something really remarkable. And uh, what's really neat about it, though, is that it has a lot more capacity than present VR to be used as AR, to be used as augmented reality, which means that you can actually use it to enhance rather than go into a second world, you can enhance this one. You could use it to find directions to a place and you'd never take it off. You could just follow a a route. Mm -hmm. Um, You could use it to bolster, uh, you could use it as a blue light filter, you know, where, where you don't have to worry, you know, it's easier to go to sleep. You could use it to play music throughout your day while still doing all your work and things like that. There's a lot of things you can use it for. Mm-hmm. You could definitely use it to send text messages to people where they don't have to click on things or, or look at a phone. Way better, in my opinion, than an implant where you can send it with your mind is, is that you could just see it happen in real time, superimposed over the world. That's what augmented reality is. It's it's mm-hmm. It's where you take elements of the VR and you incorporate it into the real world. Um, and this is why I have an issue ethically with that though. And this is just me dreaming up a scenario. This is me being, uh, you know, science fiction, but I worry about that being used to detract from the real world. You know, mm-hmm. you, you told me about a show where people are in a bunker and there's uh, a lot of questionability about whether when they look out the window, if they're seeing the real yes. outside or a false outside. The silo. The silo. Well, if everybody's wearing these glasses all regularly, who's to say that you couldn't turn a work environment into a happy, cheerful place mm-hmm. uh, just for that individual and make them a better worker, but it's not real. Yeah. Um, who's to say that you can't, instead of, you know, some your, your significant other putting on makeup, hey, now they look like Megan Fox all the time. Right. Um, there's a lot of things you could do. And this is where that, that alone is dangerous, in my opinion, because it detracts from experiencing reality as it is. Mm-hmm. But we could also use it for really, really bad things. Like we were mm-hmm. talking about drone strikes. What if a soldier... Uh, has ethical issues with slaughtering children. So he just wears that. And now it's more like a paintball fight. Those people aren't screaming and bleeding. They've just got little blue splatters on them. Mm-hmm. Uh, what if what if you have somebody do horrible drudge work that they would normally quit, but it just feels wonderful. They're not shoveling sewage. They're, they're uh, making ice cream sandwiches. Mm-hmm. We could use it to 
allow people to put up with horrible things that they normally wouldn't put up with and to do horrible things that they normally wouldn't do because we don't have to make them experience it. We could change how they see the world. I mean, now there's a big argument about the media and how they skew the way we see what's happening in reality. Yeah, this takes that to steroids. You know, mm-hmm. forget forget the media not talking about France. France, there's no France. Just look at this globe through these VR glasses. See, there's no France. It's just a big island where people are dancing and they're happy. You don't even worry about it. Mm-hmm. You would never have to deal with this or solve the problems with this. And by the way, I know this is audio. I'm yeah. gesturing at everything. Yeah, yeah he's gesturing because, all around because, him. <laughs> because you really, you've voluntarily chosen, instead of to go into the matrix or to live in reality, mm-hmm. you, you, instead of the red pill or the blue pill, you've taken the purple pill. Now you've just mixed the matrix in with reality to make it more bearable. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a terrible, terrible possibility. And sadly, I think that's probably the most likely outcome uh, of all the things we've talked about. And I can see that, like, definitely there's some big negatives, though I could see on the flip side, okay, let's say you have to go and take care of sewage. Let's say you have to do Mm. these essential jobs. Sure. If you make them more pleasant or pleasurable, then you're you're at least ensuring someone's going to be doing those jobs and it won't be as unpleasant for them. But yeah, the whole like drone strike thing. Yeah, that's not cool. Um, But like, it's just shoveling. a video game, guys. Yeah, but shoveling poop, having that be more pleasant. Okay. Like, yeah, that was probably a bad analogy. Yeah. That's better. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like, everyone wants to improve their workplace for the most part. Sure. It's just, once again, that goes with ethics of how far is too far when it comes right. to completely, um, you know, altering that reality right and And that's that's my argument is the workplace shouldn't require a false reality to be bearable Mm -hmm. and that also goes along with the severance thing that we just talked about as well it's you're not getting a surgery but you're putting on goggles Do, do the goggles here's a question so there's a lot of capabilities it has but one of them that i was sort of curious because i i wear glasses so are you able to put uh, it over your glasses? Like actually, funny enough, I don't know how much that'll cost. I'm sure it'll be a quite a bit more, but mm-hmm. they're actually working with a company that makes prescription lenses and you can it. actually have a lens that goes right over it. So it's all corrective. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you don't need the glasses underneath, in other words. Gotcha. Okay. So that yeah, pretty much just have it glued to your face all the time. And <laughs> <laughs> so with with the just sort of mentioning because i'm sure we could have conversation about several things so mm-hmm. you mentioned like the cost of it it's just a cool thirty five hundred dollars well they listed uh, right? 34.99 we let's get yeah. real it's, it's almost 10 times what most other vr glasses cost mm-hmm. goggles so right now the external battery it only lasts about two hours right so while it would be great to use it for example if you're doing a like a cross-country road trip mm. like are you able to charge it while you're in the car and like uh, plug it in? Like that's sort of a question I have. Yeah. Interesting. You know? Again, this is, this is step one. This is, they're going after the early adopters. They're going after the trust fund kids and hipsters. Mm-hmm. This is just like when the iPhone launched and it's one of those things where in three, four, five, six years, 
there's they're gonna have like 5.0 and everybody's gonna have one and the yeah. battery's probably gonna be like 12 hours yeah like a, like a phone now um yeah. yeah they also have like uh, so vision os it's um it has an operating system for just like os in general um also it has a built-in spatial audio it has yes. 3d photo and video capturing more than a dozen cameras that's insane um, oh yeah and all in 4k mind you yeah and then eye and gesture tracking for navigation and control and then the 4k micro OLED display with 23 million pixels. Amazing. I mean, it really wow. is something. I'm very impressed. Yes. Um, again, I won't be buying one, but I'm a very late adopter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, it sounds really fascinating to like try and play with. I don't know though how much I would want to not be tethered to reality though. Like, yeah. That's well, also, from, the hmm. creepy little conference calls you can have with people, it basically takes their pictures and it turns them into an avatar. Mm -hmm. And uh, from what I've read from people who've reviewed it, it's very creepy because there's kind of this uncanny valley where it's like you're talking to the person, they're in the room with you, but they're more like this. Oh, no. Oh, which, no, no, no. Sadly, no, no, you guys no. can't see, but, uh, but it was a really creepy face, guys. Like, just mm. trust me. <laughs> Uh, very like um what are those things called uh not a mannequin but um not a puppet but the other thing marionette yep that's the word thank you <laughs> that's what um, i was going for yes so <laughs> so like are there any other comments that you want to make about this in general just the the augmented reality um like every other technology can be used for for good or evil uh, really just what I recommend people do is be very discretionary about the technology you adopt, the companies you support in regard to that. And just above all else, just be more mindful of the possible ramifications and consequences, especially in regard to your own autonomy. Mm -hmm. I don't personally think any technological advancement is worth losing your autonomy. You could absolutely disagree. But it is a question that I, I think everyone should ask themselves when something new comes out. Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's just very, I think, important not to lose yourself and your beliefs mm -hmm. just because there's this fantasy world that can be delivered to you. Yeah. Like, agreed. you know, in, in ways, you know, uh, Kenny, who's been on the podcast, he says that fantasy is never as good as reality. I can argue that to an extent, but it's very disappointing if you were to all of a sudden step out of the fantasy and your reality mm -hmm. is nothing like it. So yes. um, that's a very dangerous game to play, which is why Westworld is like, yes. it's not, it's not great. You know, <laughs> so. fantasy should enhance reality the way dessert enhances dinner. In my opinion, that is a great analogy thank you so you're welcome especially <laughs> for this podcast that is great um so yeah definitely i mean it's a, a very interesting topic i know we will i would really like for you and i to do the ex machina uh movie mm, as a review good. so i think we'll probably be talking about this again in the near future because <laughs> it is good a deal. terrifying topic that is going to constantly be evolving so um mm. definitely worth checking in with every now and then but um speaking Speaking of checking in once again, how can people check in with you in the 13th floor? Uh, you can check us out anywhere you listen to music. Look for the 13th floor, uh, the 13th floor podcast.com. And if you see the red, black and white uh, logo, you know, you found the right place. 
That's right. That's right. Instagram, Facebook, you guys post <laughs> videos. Yeah. You, you come out on a, uh, mostly on a weekly basis. Occasionally there may That's be right. a, a little bit of a, a, a delay for a moment because your co-hosts yeah. have two children now. So. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but you guys have a, a great international following. Thank you guys you. have been doing that. You're welcome. I've been doing it for what, three, four years now? Four years now, I think. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So you you guys have a lot of great topics from abandoned places, which is one of your yeah. more popular ones. Thanks. To yeah. Uh, yeah, to just, I mean, aliens, conspiracy theories. Yep. You got it all. Yep. So definitely check them out. And thanks again, James, for joining me to talk about uh, this topic. Anytime. And uh, yeah, thank you listeners for for listening as well. Happy to have you. And uh, if you would like to reach out or get in touch, this is how you can do so. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at FRM Podcast and email us at frmfan at gmail.com. 